everyone. You're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and wellbeing with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. Hey guys, I've got a bit of a saucy podcast for you today. I'm interviewing naturopath Alana DeMunk from Wellness Glow, and we're talking about sexual health and libido. Libido issues can be a bit of a taboo topic for some people, but Alana decided to embrace this topic and make it her clinical focus and her passion. Alana is a sexual health naturopath for a passion for helping frustrated women to optimise their sexual health and to optimise their libido. Currently working as an online naturopath, Alana is helping to um, break down barriers when it comes to accessing holistic health and services and, you know, getting the advice that you're looking for. She loves to empower sustainable change with her realistic advice and aims to be your health cheerleader, celebrating every positive change you make. She's just applied for her master's in sexology, woohoo, and her goal is to encourage more women, more women to talk openly about sexual health and pleasure. Her areas of clinical focus include hormonal imbalances, post-pill syndrome, STI co-management, vaginal infections, and of course, libido. So thanks so much for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this today. This is going to be such an interesting topic. So I guess yeah, the first like question, yeah, what, um, what really made you decide to, to join this, um, to start this area of practice? Yes, it's a great question. I remember thinking, okay, I want to work in sexual health and being so afraid of what the responses were going to be from my peers, from my family, from my friends. Um, but it really stems from my own personal journey. And I think as practitioners, we tend to gravitate towards what we know um, because we know it works. So I went on the pill at 15 or 16 for contraception. And whilst that was okay for a little while, you know, being a 20-something with no sex drive to me just didn't seem right. And so I knew there were other answers out there. So I started looking into herbal medicine and nutritional medicine. Um, and that's when it really clicked. You know, I found results in myself. And I figured this is so powerful. This has to be shared. Why is no one talking about this? So let's break down those barriers and start talking about sexual pleasure and sexual desire. I think that is such an important topic and um, not many people do talk about it. And so you've had your own experience in that with, with the pill. And I think that's something that a lot of people will also experience themselves, but it's not really talked about. So not many people do really know that they have issues as a result of the pill. Particularly, Absolutely. Yeah. And particularly when girls go on it so young, because who asks a teenage girl, has your libido changed since you've gone on the pill? exactly right it's just not talked about and I think it's assumed that because we're young our sex drive is high but that's not always the case and it's time to start having those conversations and being like look if you want more there's things you can do about it yeah for sure mm. so that leads me to my next question what 
is a normal libido and does it have changes through for women through for women throughout the menstrual cycle yes yeah, so normal is such an interesting word <laughs> so when i think normal i think it's really important to first preface that by saying what's normal for you may not be normal for me so there's no one size fits all when it comes to our sexual health and our libido it's also really important to talk about desire versus arousal when it comes to libido. So libido encompasses both. Um, but when I'm working with a client one-on-one, you know, really want to knuckle down on, is it that you cannot get aroused and those physical symptoms aren't occurring? Or is it that you can't get into that mindset and that desire mindset? So that's a really important distinction, I think. Um, in terms of when we are more, more likely as women in particular to feel a higher sex drive is um, coming into our follicular phase uh, leading into ovulation um, so obviously ovulation is that peak time when we're definitely going to be in the mood a little bit more um, and there's so that that's day 14 decrease. or so yeah uh, yeah for most women yep <laughs> and there's that natural decrease as we head into menstruation which of course makes sense from like a biological standpoint you know we're not going to get pregnant so there's less desire there and less need to have sex isn't it fun when we realise how much our hormones and are actually influencing our desires and our mental out, out, outset? Like, you know, um, we're really not in that much control of ourselves necessarily. <laughs> we like, like to kid ourselves, but really. <laughs> but I do yeah. think that's a great point that you made, that not everyone is different as well. Um, sorry, not everyone is yeah. the same. Um, and yeah. I personally in clinic talk about libido to partners and say it's it, what matters is that your partner matches you with your libido would you agree mm. with that it's a really interesting point because i think libido isn't necessarily just how much sex you're having with your partner it's how much of that life force that you've got how much of that sexual energy you're bringing into your everyday life not necessarily just with your partner but also on a one-on-one -on -one with yourself right okay yeah yeah what do you mean by that with yourself like so, are we talking masturbation or are we talking like yeah just absolutely more of a so indulging in every yeah everyday pleasures so you know it can involve self-masturbation it can involve you know toys or whatever but i also mean just finding that sexual energy in yourself and utilizing that to create the life that you want so it doesn't have to be sexual. It's more that vitality and that vibrancy that comes with owning your libido and owning your sex drive. Okay. But then mm. I guess self-pleasure doesn't just have to be masturbation, does it? It can also be things like um, just mindfulness and enjoying the things around you as well, for sure. Absolutely. And I think that's really an important distinction to make as well. It doesn't have to be self uh, touching it can be you know getting that lovely manicure that you've been dreaming of or you know buying yourself those flowers it's really just that self-care love it <laughs> mm. so do we know how many people are reporting having a low libido yes this was a really interesting thing that i was looking up you know it's really hard to kind of quantify because for what some people think is low libido is actually just their normal and society's conditioned them to think that they need to be having more sex. And so there's this paradigm where people are feeling this comparison 
because they think they should be having more sex, whereas in reality, what they're having is enough for them to be satisfied. So the number, yeah, <laughs> it's ever-changing. So if it's so different for everyone, then how does someone know that they have a low libido? Yeah, so this is a really, really interesting point that you make. I think it's really got to come from within. And so when you sit back and you think, okay, where is this desire for increasing my libido coming from? What is influencing this? You know, is this coming from myself inside? Is this what I truly want? Do I truly want more sexual energy and more sexual pleasure? Or is this maybe your partner's asking for more sex? Or maybe you've seen something in the media that says you should be having sex six times a week and you think, oh my God, I can't measure up to that. Um, so it is a journey for sure. And I think it's just about trialing things and really asking and sitting with yourself and saying, is this for me or is this from an external source? That's such a good point because mm. sometimes these external influences are making us feel that we need things that we really don't. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and I don't want to prey on those insecurities as a practitioner. I really want to make sure that the people that I'm working with are doing it for the right reasons and they're doing it for themselves. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So what is a major, um, oh, well, actually, what's involved in having a good sex drive? What do we need within ourselves to have that? Yeah, so first and foremost is honesty and communication so you know if you're not communicating honestly with your partner about what your needs and wants are you know you can take all the herbs in the world but the difference isn't going to be there um, but in terms of what I tend to work with so addressing hormonal imbalances so you know if we're not ovulating we're not getting that peak so we're not getting that peak in our sex drive um, talking about managing stress levels and making sure that our mental health is taken care of. Um, blood sugar control is a really important one as well. Um, making sure that our vaginal health is at an optimal level. So making sure that we're not tearing when we're having sex, making sure that we're getting enough lubrication so that when we are attempting penetration, if that's what our sex looks like, that it's comfortable and enjoyable. Um, making sure that if there's any STIs um, or infections that are going on, making sure that those are cleared so that there's no irritation in the area. Um, and of course, addressing sleep and energy production because no one wants to have sex when they've worked 14 hours a day and they're not sleeping. So from my perspective, they're really important. And then also addressing circulation um, and nerve sensitivity, especially um, you know, some women complain of not having any sensation down around the clitoris. And so just retraining the brain to, um, to really notice those sensations and appreciate them for what they are. Okay, great. So I guess um, my next, I was going to say, what are the causes for a low libido? But you probably covered mm -hmm. some things in that already. Is there anything else that could be a cause for having a low libido that's not so you, you mentioned things like circulation and nerve supply mm. and energy issues and hormonal imbalances. What are some other things? Yeah, so for example, if you're experiencing painful sex, you're definitely not going to be wanting to get intimate. So addressing those causes of pain are really important as well. So for example, if you've got endometriosis or if you've got ovarian cysts that are out of control or if you've got 
you know, that vaginal dryness again, um, any sort of thrush, bacterial vaginosis, any, yeah, anything that's going on down there that is causing pain, you know, it's going to take away from the pleasure. And what about the hormonal imbalance? Can we unpack that a little bit? Absolutely. So, so when I'm saying hormonal imbalance, for me, first and foremost, I'm looking at the stress hormones and how they steal from our sex hormones. So I'm sure you understand and know that what happens when we're stressed is we actually steal from the precursors of our sex hormones. So the pathway in our body prioritizes noradrenaline and adrenaline and takes away from our testosterone and other sex hormone production. So this means that when we're in a perpetually stressed state, we're actually prioritizing that fight or flight response and not prioritizing ovulation, prioritizing our um, ability to procreate basically. And so of course our sex drive suffers because of that. Okay, so it's the, the stress stealing our other hormonal precursors, that's definitely a major point. Are there any Absolutely. other hormonal imbalances that can happen? Yeah, so when we're thinking about things like vaginal infections, for example, if our estrogen levels are too high and they're unopposed, you know, that can cause issues as well. So when we're talking about hormonal imbalances, I think it's really important that we're talking about optimising the menstrual cycle and optimising our um, clearance of those hormones through the liver as well. So we're not just recycling them and causing all kinds of other symptoms as well. Awesome. Mm. And um, would thyroid have something to do with it as well? Absolutely. So hypothyroid, so an underactive thyroid, um, definitely plays a role in how sexual we're feeling and how much pleasure we actually feel as well. So when our thyroid isn't doing its job, you know, we feel sluggish we feel tired you know things are a lot drier our hair is a lot brittler so again from a physical perspective it's not going to feel as good if there's penetration involved and of course that affects our ovulation as well I just wanted to touch on that point that you said about brittle hair are you talking about pubic <laughs> hair being brittle affecting pleasure not so much pubic hair, although that can be pleasurable as well. Um, but also when you think about what hair is made from and how similar our skin is to that, you know, and the mucous membranes that are required for lubrication, you know, if there's dryness and tight tissues and there's an ability to tear easily, yeah. you're not going to want anyone down there. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, now, another thing, I guess, with, with hormones as well is that um, when you're pregnant and breastfeeding, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes not always the same result. So, for instance, like a lot of women, when they're pregnant, have a high libido, but then as soon as you start breastfeeding, you don't. Would that, mm. that about right? Like, can you sort of um, talk about how some of the hormone changes through those periods affect libido? Absolutely. So when you're uh, pregnant and when you're breastfeeding, you're suppressing ovulation. So you're not getting that huge spike in estrogen that's increasing your vaginal lubrication. It's increasing your desire um, because your body's done its job. It's procreated. That's the one of the major drivers behind our sex and libido um, is that ovulation. So 
it's absolutely natural for your body to be like, okay, I've done its job. Let's not have any more babies for a while. Let's nourish the one we've got. And so I think a lot of women struggle with that transition because they think that their sex drive should be somewhere where biologically it just doesn't make sense for them at this point in their life. Whereas I guess with pregnancy, when the women have a high libido, that's probably because the placenta is pumping out so much estrogen and progesterone. <laughs> yeah, it's really complex. And, you know, that's why you get these highs and lows and your body's just got to try and find its new normal. And I guess pregnancy is a really good illustration of how there's so many um, competing or like influencing factors so you've got like a hormonal um, change that makes you have a high libido but then you've also got back pain and nausea and fatigue mm -hmm. and all of these other things that make you not want it so you've got these two opposing forces so there's so much that you have to get tick off and get right in order to get your libido sorted <laughs> absolutely so and there's that stress on the relationship as well that comes with that change in dynamic from going from two to three or three to four. And so on top of that, you've got communication issues that need to be addressed as well. So kudos to those women who could navigate that smoothly. <laughs> and um, in terms of the communication in a relationship about sex, do you have any tips about that? Oh, look, I think it's it's really being honest. And I think the best place to do that is not in the bed, you know, just after you've been intimate because you're feeling very vulnerable yeah. and it's just not the right place to address that. So I honestly think it's, you know, sitting down of an evening and making it a priority to talk about honestly with no judgment what your needs are and if they're being met. Um, and... Is that something that people often need to get some external help with if they find that they're struggling? Yes. Yeah, so for me, it comes second nature because I'm comfortable with this topic, but I do understand that it can be quite taboo. And so reaching out for someone who can kind of help you facilitate those conversations is definitely going to be a bonus. So um, a sexologist would be a great person to reach out to. They're trained in this area. They know how to make you feel comfortable um, and how to steer the conversation in a productive way and not so much a blaming uh, kind of scenario. I guess that's what would always be the fear when you do enter a conversation about that, that there would be blaming. And Absolutely. so when people can start to um, break that down and remove that, that's going to mean that you're going to get a more um, you know, effective conversation. Yeah, and I think it's really important that when you're talking about a topic as sensitive as this with your partner, you don't use statements such as you do this and you do that you use i feel statements so instead of you don't spend time with me you can say something along the lines of i feel like i need more time and so you're taking the blame away from them and bringing it more to yourself not the blame but the focus of the conversation has shifted yeah 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 so while we're on that topic <laughs> men and women have different relationship requirements to have a good libido don't they yes <laughs> can you talk a bit about so that assuming that we're talking yeah yeah so assuming that we're talking about a relationship with a man and a woman you know there seems to be this uh perception that men just need to see someone naked and they're ready and raring to go they don't need a lot of that preamble 
Um, whereas women, it seems to be that they need, you know, that love and affection beforehand. So I think a great way to navigate this as a couple is ensuring that your foreplay isn't just leading up to sexual intercourse and the foreplay is an event in itself. So not just five minutes rushed, done job, but actually spending time making sure that each other's needs are taken care of before you move on to the main event, in inverted commas. <laughs> so in terms of other causes that can affect libido, are there any medications that we know have an effect on that? Sorry, any medications? Yeah, any medications? Yes, yeah, so absolutely. One of the more common medications is your antidepressant SSRI medications. Um, so you'll find that a lot of people that are on those medications, their sex drive just goes from here right down to zero. Um, and so from a holistic health perspective, working with the GP to work on dose um, working on the type of medication and potentially even weaning the client off the medication is a really important step. Um, other medications that can affect your sex drive, you know, any kind of hormonal birth control, absolutely, you know, goes without saying. Um, and then things that you might not be so aware of, things like your blood pressure medications and your diabetes medication, um, because they're affecting your blood sugar levels and your energy levels um, and your blood flow to your genitals as well. Yeah, great. So I guess for, for people who've got those sorts of issues affecting their libido, for instance, medications um, mm. or breastfeeding, as we were talking about before, is there anything that they can do to boost their libido in those instances? Yeah, so I think for me, it's really working on nourishing those self-care things that you can do. So working with the medication rather than against it. So again, addressing any stress that's going on in the body, making sure that you're getting a good night's sleep um, and making sure that you're fostering that intimacy with your partner. Another important thing that you can do is get a natural pH balance lubricant um, and encourage a bit of self-exploration with no, um, no expectations, but just kind of going in there with an open mind and seeing how things are for you now. Okay, brilliant. Hmm. So how do you as a naturopath work with libido? Yeah, so it's super multifaceted as I'm sure you've started to get an idea of. So obviously, first things first is addressing any underlying causes. And that goes back to what we were talking about, about balancing those hormones and making sure that we're ovulating and there's no pH imbalances. Um, addressing diet is a really important one. Um, so again, making sure that we've got all the nutrients required for ovulation, for uh, getting erectile tissue to fill with blood, for making sure that we're getting lubrication. Um, after I address diet, of course, there's my favourites, which are the herbs that we can introduce, um, which is a great tool that we have as naturopaths that not everyone else necessarily has in their tool belt. Mindset is so important as a naturopath. So I've actually created a daily mantras that you can um, utilise in your day to kind of get yeah. in that mind frame. Um, and then I actually love setting my clients' homework, which <laughs> might give people a bit of um, heart palpitations. 
but when I say homework, (laughs) I don't necessarily mean you're sitting down with a textbook each night, but little tasks to do each day that get you into that right frame of mind um, to kind of start thinking more like a sexual being again and less like maybe a mother or a student or an employee. And then, of course, I have to incorporate the more more of the counselling side of it uh, once I complete my master's. That's awesome. Mm. So um, what are some ways that uh, you can help libido with your diet? Yeah, yeah. So first things first is making sure that you're eating enough. Just full stop eating enough. Because when we're not eating enough, our body goes into survival mode and we'll just not ovulate. And that's a really big issue. Um, The second thing would be things like making sure that we're eating enough protein to ensure that we actually have the building blocks to create our sex hormones and our neurotransmitters. Um, I'd also recommend things like circulatory stimulants that you can add to your diet um, to help increase blood flow to the area. Um, Aphrodisiacs, so there's a bit of controversy behind you know, is there research in these aphrodisiacs or is it a placebo thing? If it's a placebo thing and it's working, hey, fantastic. Like, I don't have an issue with that. Um, but, yeah, just getting more of those sexy foods into your diet. That it's in the front of your mind then that, okay, I'm eating this, I'm going to be in the mood, and your body kind of follows sometimes. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So what are some aphrodisiac foods? Yeah, so I've actually got a really, really nice aphrodisiac hot chocolate recipe in my free ebook that includes yeah. <laughs> things like cacao that is really rich in magnesium and antioxidants. Uh, it's got maca powder, which is traditionally used as a bit of an aphrodisiac. Um, circulatory stimulants like cinnamon and chili. Um, and then juicy foods. I think it conjures up images in your brain. So things like figs mangoes you know fruit that drips down your chin as you eat it I mean what kind of imagery (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. beautiful Mm. okay awesome and well I mean what about oysters (laughs) yeah it's a funny one oysters I mean they're very high in zinc um, and that has a bit of research behind it when it comes to libido but some people just can't stomach them and I don't want to force you to eat oysters. (laughs) I would say they are probably one of my favourite foods. Yeah. Yeah. Love them all. Everyone's so different. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, what sort of impact does alcohol have on libido? Yeah, so for some people it can be great as a bit of a inhibition breaker. So for some people, a glass of red wine at night can be a great way to initiate those conversations with their partner without feeling that intimidation that comes from being stone cold sober. Um, But for other people, it can absolutely deaden any kind of sexual function at all. So you'll notice that after you've had a few glasses of wine or whatever your drink of choice is, you're not necessarily going to become as aroused as you were in the past. So the desire might be there but the body is just not responding. So it's really about figuring out where your limit is and what effects actually has for you. And getting that, yeah, that perfect balance. Absolutely. 
Okay, awesome. So what are your three favorite herbs for boosting libido? Mm, when I saw this question, I was like, oh, just three? Don't make me choose. <laughs> um, but I would have to say that definitely in my top is Shatavari. So Shatavari is lovingly known as she with a hundred or a thousand husbands. So it's traditionally used as an aphrodisiac um, and a female tonic. So that's definitely one of my favourite herbs. It helps increase your vitality, helps increase your flow, um, but also helps with reducing that stress um, impact that um, high cortisol has on your body. Mm. So there's some interesting research that's coming out that's saying that Shadavari can actually help increase blood flow to the erectile tissue as well, which can help with pleasurable sensations. That's a nice little aside for that incredible herb. Um, and recent research showing a little bit of an antidepressant effect as well with that herb. Perfect. Um, yeah, so that's a really fabulous one. And you'd be lucky if you walk out of my clinic without that in your mix. <laughs> well, I don't know about lucky, but... <laughs> rare <laughs> well rare absolutely um and then one of my other favorites would probably have to be rhodiola so traditionally that was considered a um fertility herb and i was reading earlier that apparently there's some some families in i think serbia that still present a bunch of rhodiola roots to a newlywed couple to enhance fertility so I just loved that little story. <laughs> but from a Western herbal medicine perspective, you know, it helps reduce anxiety um, and helps reduce any body fatigue that's going on. So really important to help um, your body adapt to any stress. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good one, isn't it? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely one of my favourites. So it helps normalise um, our serotonin and dopamine levels in the body. Um, so serotonin, our happy hormone, and dopamine, our um, you know our addiction, our love hormone as well. So nice, nice little aside as well. And then probably finally, my third favourite herb would be cinnamon. So cinnamon works on yeah blood sugar balance, which if we've got these insulin spikes from having too much sugar in our diet, our testosterone levels plummet. And so testosterone is really important for that desire and erectile tissue function. So making sure that we're balancing those out with the herb is really important. Um, you know, when we've got that insulin spike as well, we get that sugar crash. And when we get that sugar crash, we get that fatigue that comes along with that and often the irritability that comes along with that as well. So when we're fatigued and irritable, there's no way that we're going to be in the mood for sex because our body needs to rest. <laughs> um, and then also with the cinnamon, you know, it's warming, it's helping increase that blood flow as well. I would never have thought of cinnamon, but now that you've mm. said it, it's perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a nice tasting one as well, which is always a bonus when it comes to herbal medicine in my brain. Yeah. And that would be a good one that people can include in their diet as well. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's very simple to add to your porridge or even add to your coffee in the morning. Oh, thank you. Mm. Yeah, this is wonderful information. 
Thank so, you. Um, Alana, do you have any offerings on at the moment? Yeah, so on the 16th of December, I've got a free webinar uh, titled Nourishing Your Libido Over the Holiday Period. Um, so I'm providing real tangible tips that you can take into the holiday period when it can tend to get a bit hectic with extended family and travel um, so that you can nourish your intimacy with yourself or with your partner um, yeah, in a really simple take-home steps kind of way. So that's happening, as I said, on the 16th of December. Um, we probably won't a, be uploading this by that point. Will there be replays oh, available? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if okay. you sign up, the replays are being sent out. Um, and there's a New Year's... Um, I'm thinking about doing a New Year's meal plan um, to just kind of nice. reset the hormones after all that indulgence over the Christmas period. Okay. That mm. sounds great. Mm. Mm. And um, you mentioned before that you've got an ebook. That's correct. So, five top naturopathic tips to help jumpstart your libido. Awesome. Um, and that's on your website? Absolutely. It's on my website. And that also has my free daily affirmations download included in that as well. Beautiful. Mm. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Can you give us an example of one of the affirmations? Yeah, so one of my favourite ones is I deserve pleasure daily. That's amazing. Mm. <laughs> How do you recommend that people do affirmations? Like how many times a day should people say it or should they say it in any particular way? So I find it really powerful to wake up with the affirmation and set that as the intention for my day. So sitting with that for five minutes and just feeling into what that might feel like throughout your day um, and then I find it really powerful to have sticky notes or something around the house to remind you of that so when things get busy and hectic you're reminded to come back to your intention so for me personally setting a reminder on my phone is a great way to zone back into that energy um, but setting it as your screensaver putting a sticky note on your steering wheel um, great ways to remind yourself and then in the evening, revisiting that affirmation um, and kind of reflecting on how you may have seen pleasure in your day. Beautiful. Mm. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm sure people can't wait to get into that. <laughs> mm, thank you. Yeah. So how can people get in contact with you? Absolutely. So via my website, uh, wellnessglow.com.au. Um, so I've got my email address there or you can reach out via my Facebook or Instagram at wellnessglowau, send me a message um, and I'll get back to you. Wonderful. Mm. That's so exciting. I can't oh. wait to share this with everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Sorry. you for letting me get uh, this important kind of mindset work out there. I think that's really important. Yeah. I. I'm sure that it's going to be really, really helpful for a lot of women and men as well. And I just think, you know, the more we can talk about this, the better. It shouldn't Absolutely. be such a taboo topic. <laughs> no, no. And the more you talk about it, the more comfortable you get with it as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. 
So to everyone listening today, I hope you enjoyed it. Please hop on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and um, let us know if there's anything else that you want to hear about in the future as well. So thanks so much, Alana. Thank you, Alison. Later. Bye. Bye.